G'day guys, Josh here. This is part two of our conversation with the awesome Peter Klein, aka Captain Pete. In part one, the episode previous to this, Pete talked about how he got into writing and we also spent a fair bit of time on his amazing and very talented friend Leon and the creative partnership that those two shared. In today's episode though, we refocus the conversation back onto Pete and maybe more bring it into the present, what he's done for the last 12, 18 months, and some really exciting stuff that he has coming up. So punchingsideways.com, you can play the show, share the show, and if you think we're any good, you can even buy us a coffee there to support the show. Okay, guys, let's jump in with Peter Klein. really interested in how you've evolved from your writing of books and I know you have a character Captain Pete so you do a lot of work in schools yourself can you tell us more about you I think yeah yeah it's uh it's just a a thing Uh, when Leon drew the combi van he actually drew my character as Captain Pete so I became a a real life cartoon character yeah and there is no way I can get out of that so I was actually connected (laughs) to the books as a cartoon character yeah, um, and of course, schools are very interested in authors. Mm-hmm. So I would turn up to a school with my book, and they would go, "Hey, that's him. He's the guy." So I was the Captain Pete character from the stories in real life, which was a bit of a bit of a mind blowing thing for kids when they're thinking about they've just read a book and the character appears in their classroom. Yeah, um, and I had heaps of fun with that. So uh, I started writing lots of songs for kids. Uh, so as an author, I'd go in to do an author's workshop. I had no idea how an author did a workshop. So I thought, <laughs> well, I'll just do the entertaining. I worked with um, the band, the Bridge the Gap, and now with the band called The Remnants. We've been playing for years and years. And so, um, yeah, I, I kind of uh, took that into the classroom and I'd, I'd start with a song and I'd bring kids in. I, we made a bunch of instruments out of Aggie pipes and bits and pieces so kids can join me. And it's all about the kids. I try and perform but I make sure that they're all part of it as well. So they become part of the show and and they really enjoyed that. And in that process, then I would show them how the books were made. I'd show them my little scraps of paper. I talk about vomiting on the page. They just love that. So kids then uh, who are often a, a bit afraid to write, get the license to vomit on the page, write down a heap of stuff. And then you start pulling that apart. And that's where your stories come from. Yeah. So the Captain Pete character started going into schools and, and doing things. I got invitations the libraries and it started expanding a bit from there there'd be shows all up and down the east coast of australia i'd get a gig to go to um and uh, yeah sometimes we'd we'd drive for half a day to get to a get to a gig uh, I'd, I'd perform at a school and then just just enjoy the experience um it uh, it just kept going so uh the more gigs i did it was just word of mouth really i'd every now and again i'd, I'd get a phone call to say are you available to do this library gig or can you come to this um fair that's happening and I often say yeah if I can fit it in I'll, I'll be there and I do a, um, a one-hour show and sometimes I'd go to schools and do writers workshops and it's really enjoyable it's a lot of fun it's like um, you're leaving a little ray of sunshine wherever you go and people can just sort of I, I run into teachers later that just said that time you came to visit our school we still talk about it and I think it inspired the kids to do some writing and that was great and that's what I like to do is to, to say that you know things are possible so, yeah, a lot of kids find that, you know, they, they get the job to write something and it's difficult to try and get an idea. 
And I try and break those barriers down with a bit of fun and, and uh, you know, as I say, vomiting on a page is a way to get things started. So at least you're <laughs> writing something down. Of course, it needs structure and stuff like that. But first thing is to, you know, make sure that everyone can write something. Get so we play, uh, we do some little <laughs> drama production and things like that to get them involved in characters. And An idea might be that we would dress a student up as a character. So once you put a, a big uh, coat and a beard and a hat and give them a billy to carry and a swag, all of a sudden, the student becomes a character. Everyone thinks it's hilarious. And I'll say, righto, write down something about this person. Who is this person? Give him a name. Where's he going? Where's he been? And the kids start writing. And they they act silly. They laugh. And they have a good time. And, um, and that's what it's all about, you know, trying to share the joy and get kids writing. Because there's a lot of writers out there who uh, can probably do a much better job than I can, who are still young and trying to learn their craft. But enthusiasm and passion needs to be kind of the the light that gets them on the on the journey so that's what i try and do um yeah so have you had any of these kids over the years that you've inspired pete come back to you and say i started writing for whatever reason but i remember that first workshop or i remember what you did and it set me on a path it happens quite a lot unexpectedly you know i i I find that i went into um a store the other day and the girl that was serving me she said, you're Captain Pete, aren't you? <laughs> and I thought, yes, I am. And, and, she, and then she told me, she said, I remember um, you coming to our school and I remember your workshop and I really enjoyed it, you know, and she was telling me all about it. So, she, I mean, she didn't, I don't, don't know if she became, she did any more work with her writing, but it was just lovely that she remembered it and she really enjoyed it. And she said, yeah, it was great. I had a, I had a great time. A lot of the times the books make a little bit of a difference as well. Um, I went into Dimmick's one day and, and Dimmicks sell my books and and terrific, really. They the local bookshop. I love supporting them and they support me. I go into Dimmicks and the lady in Dimmicks says, You've just missed this lady, Pete. You just would not believe what she said. Uh, and apparently I had a c I've got a CD on the road with Captain Pete, which has got the audio, the true adventures of Mud Poo on it. And this this lady made the comment that her son wouldn't read. He was one of these kids that just didn't want to read. He just felt awkward about reading he felt embarrassed about reading especially reading to other people and so they're very worried about him uh, and then he basically came out of his room one day and he said mum I'm going to read your story and she was just totally taken aback and said what and he <laughs> said mum I'm going to read your story and so he read the true adventures of mud poo to his mum page by page and she sat there and her jaw dropped and she had to go into the store to tell them and she said, how is this possible? How could you learn to read this book and read it so well? And he said, I listened to Captain Pete's CD. So he was listening to the audio of the story. Then he would read the book. And then he actually read the book with my characterizations in there as well. And she was totally blown away. So this young person obviously had the skills but was quite afraid to, to, to read for whatever the reasons were. He was embarrassed. He was shy. He didn't think he could do it. Um, he saw other kids that could read really well and he felt, you know, maybe they were, they were just not being kind to him. But that gave him the courage to read. And so he went to the Jody's mum what he could do. And I, I thought that one story alone makes my whole journey worthwhile. So um, just to find that someone can read and gets the courage to read. And not only that, but writing as well, that people look at my stories and they'll say, I could write something like that. You know, that's not that hard. And and really the, the true adventures of Mudpoo is written at 
around about the level that a grade six student would write. And so they can sort of see, I can reach that, I can do that. And that's what I'm trying to do is get, get kids to, to get excited about writing. There are lots of little stories where, where um, I run into people quite often where they've, they've talked about, <laughs> I was in a supermarket the other day and a dad had two little girls with him and he came up to me and he, he just said, uh, my kids are just having a little bet. One says you're Captain Pete and the other one says you're not. And I was wearing my mask <laughs> too at the time. And, uh, and I said, oh, Captain Pete. And they went, oh, see, I told you so. And I went, oh, that's really nice. I said, how do, how do you know me? And she said, oh, you came to our school and you did this show and it was great fun and it was, you know, it was really nice. And I think, you know, if you can go somewhere and share the joy, you never really know what will come out of it, you know, how that might end up. If you like us, like I like us, get onto punchingsideways.com, give us a bit of a likesy, have a bit of an exploration around and maybe buy us a coffee. I went to, um, I taught at St Francis for a couple of years and I put together a play and that was interesting too. I turned one of my books into a play. I rocked up at the start of the year as a music teacher and I wasn't too sure what, what the brief was. I only just got back from overseas and only just made the meeting on time. And they said, uh, now, what's the production going to be at the end of the year? And I sort of had this dreadful panic moment in my head, production? What production? What are they talking about? And they just said, well, you know, we have a production at the end of every year. You're the music teacher. What's the production going to be? And I immediately said, oh, it's going to be um, Mud Poo and the Fungus Mystery, which was my last book. And they said, oh, that sounds fantastic. And I went home and I told my wife and I said, I've just said I'm going to do a play out of Mud Poo and the Fungus Mystery. And, <laughs> and she said, what are you worried about? Just do it. And uh, by the end of the weekend, I'd written all the songs for the play. And because the dialogue was in the book, I just pulled dialogue out and I went, I'll do dialogue, and then I'll do a song dialogue song and that's what we did and we did that play for St Francis at the end of the year concert it was amazing they, they were so supportive had great props and the kids got into it and as you were talking about influencing people uh, there was a the chap there his name was Henry he got the lead role as Fungus McPhee <laughs> and uh, he was fabulous and as were a lot of the kids but I believe that Henry, I've come across him, he's still performing, he's, he's actually developing his skills in drama and he's become quite a good artist and I've seen him performing in some, some other shows around the place, around Albury-Wodonga. So that kind of thing from the book, there's the play and that gives kids motivation to sort of get involved with drama productions. And that play was done by Telgano and Bethanga and it won the Australia Day Community Award in 2019. So it was really motivational for the whole community to get involved and see these kids performing at the Bethanga Hall doing the same play, The Fungus Mystery. And last year, of course, at Telgano School, in lockdown, it was a terrible, terrible year, 2020. But fortunately, I'd rewritten the play, uh, rewritten the book into a play at the start of the year. I was able to give the kids a script. They did some uh, some rehearsals and we'd worked out the characters and who was going to play which role. I'd written all the songs for it. Again, the songs just fell out. It was a bit like um, a weekend sitting down and writing all the songs. And uh, we didn't know whether the play could go ahead. And, and we actually missed a whole term in term two. Uh, I was away in term three and we got back together again in term four. And I, I arrived at the school, term four, the principal said, what do you think about this play, Pete? And I said, well, let's just see what the kids remember. Well, blow me down. They knew all the songs 
They knew all the actions. They knew all their lines. And all we had to do was make some props and some artwork. And, you know, you can just imagine like 20 kids beavering over some huge sheets of calico, <laughs> four metres long, one metre high. They did all the backdrops in one session uh, with, their, with their amazing art teacher, Heather. They put it all together. Incredible. And we, we got towards the end of the year and we thought, well, are we going to be allowed to put this play on? And really the week before uh, Dan Andrews said, we're going to be able to open up a uh, limited opening up and, and we could have people coming into the school, sitting on picnic blankets, separated by their distancing. So families would bring their own food, sit on a picnic blanket. They were separated outside. All I needed was good weather. Well, we had fantastic weather. We had perfect weather. And we did the play and it went off and it was fabulous. So the secret of the rainforest also became a children's play. And again, you know, the kids that did that acting, I think some of those kids will find themselves going in that direction as well, doing more drama productions. They go into high school and things like that. So, and that story also links back to the Melbourne Zoo, palm oil and the environment. So very important lessons in that story as well. But I think we blew away the audience. They just weren't expecting that. Uh, it was fabulous. You just saying 20 kids hovering over Calico, it just reminds me I went to a primary school with 13 kids and we used to visit Telgano as well. I know the, the small small kid thing and the end of year concert was one of my most favourite things to to put together. It was just everyone can get involved and you don't, you can't really split people into age groups or anything because we're all... <laughs> There's only like so 20 kids. <laughs> you can't can't split the groups up and everyone has to work together as a team to get it executed. So I, I can imagine as well and how exciting it always was when all the parents and everyone were coming to watch and you got to put on this big show and it almost felt like it was, yeah, it was just unreal, unreal to be part of that as a kid. So. I can imagine how, how nice it would be to, to do that from your perspective as well. It was extra special given that the year was so hard mm. and it was obvious that the kids had put all their effort and energy learning their lines and learning the songs and learning the actions to the songs. They did that in lockdown, which I was just amazed. We did a couple of Zoom sessions and I, could, you know, I was encouraging them to do that, but the fact that they actually did it and they did it so well was amazing. I mean, the kids all made their own costumes. We had makeup put onto the kids, you know, and the backdrops were great. I had one of my musicians from the band The Remnants, Rowan, came along and he supported it with brass instruments. So we had lots of great sound effects going on. Mm -hmm. We even had sound effects on the computer that we used for the for the play. And we also uh, had Jack Jensen, who um, does sound and he plays in our band as well, to provide the sound. So we had a really high-quality sound system with lighting and the whole thing, and the kids just fell into the role. It was amazing. And I had a um, parent or grandparent come up to me and he said, I had been attached to this school for 30 years and this is the best thing for an end-of-year concert that I've ever seen. And I went, wow, that's just so cool. And it really was all about sharing the joy again, you know, in a tough year like 2020, sharing the joy and that play is now available on DVD, and I can get you guys a copy of that so you oh, can have a look at that it. That would be cool. You know, it's definitely a good laugh. I it's a good laugh. I feel like yeah. that comment comes from Graham Redman. Yes, it is. The, <laughs> yeah. Who is it? An correct. institution yeah. in the Telgana area, a big community, yeah. community advocate and... The, that family is very much ingrained within Telgano, so that's a, uh, 
a very big pat on the back for you, Pete, I would say. I think a big pat on the back to everyone, you know, the teachers and the kids and everyone that was involved, the parents who helped them dress up. Now, obviously, their kids would have had help with their learning their lines at home. So I was, yeah, it was amazing. And I thought the DVD for me was important to, to, to record that as to what had happened because it was such a unique event to be able to throw it together in the middle of the pandemic. It would be so easy to throw your hands in the air and say, this is all too hard. Yeah. Uh, and in the middle of... Um, Last year, I, I went off and had open heart surgery in between all of this as well. And it was just something that happened out of nowhere, right in the middle of a pandemic. And it was something I've been living with pretty much all my life. I had a leaky heart valve and all of a sudden it went from, you know, I could do this to this has now gone really bad, needs to be repaired. And they repaired it, you know, went down to Melbourne, got it fixed and no dramas and uh, no spare parts required. They just sort of sewed it back together again, put a rubber band around it and away <laughs> I went. And that was just another part of that that crazy year that I was in. And so at one stage there, I, I was kind of thinking like, you know, what else is going to go wrong? And then we got back to the school and everything just went right. It was just the kids were bright, happy. The play could go ahead. The school had this incredible sense of environment about it that was just, just really um, fun and, and awesome. So... From what I've heard, you have a bit of a history in bush poetry. You mentioned it much earlier in the conversation in passing. Yeah. Am I correct in saying that? And I've yeah. heard that you've done pretty well in that department as well. Yeah, yep. I, I, I like to be part of the Mountain Snow River Festival. I've done that for quite a few years and more recently, slam poetry. And in <laughs> slam poetry, I made the Victorian final a couple of times and uh, I did win a uh, traditional poetry section in the Australian Championship in 2012 but really the bush poetry stuff, it's just I love going along and listening to the, the bush poets and just getting involved in the atmosphere of the thing and then to get up and perform stuff. I, I find it fun. I don't don't let it worry me. I don't go there to try and win anything. And when I did win it, I was quite surprised, but I was happy, you know, that was great. You know, it's just being part of it and sharing the joy. So, yeah, I've written quite a bit of slam poetry and a little bit of bush poetry and stuff and yeah, do you want to hear anything? Can you explain slam poetry? Yeah, I guess slam poetry is more like um, sharing certain aspects of your life, things that happen globally or internally with your own life. It's people coming forward and just sharing stuff that happened. Uh, it doesn't necessarily have rhyme and meter like um, bush poetry does. Bush poetry very much, you know, it was the man from Iron Bark who struck the Sydney town, wandered over the street and park and he wandered up and down. That kind of has rhyme and meter, whereas um, slam poetry has a bit more license to sort of emphasise points. It doesn't necessarily have to rhyme. You've got two minutes to tell a story that has an impact on the audience and the audience vote for it uh, will actually they choose the judges by throwing lollies into the audience. If you catch a lolly, you're a judge, and then you give it a vote from zero to ten. Uh, and, of course, they take the the highest vote is taken out, the lowest vote is taken out, and the middle three are averaged, and that's your score. And, you know, you can have like a 9.9 .9 or a 9.5 or whatever they are, and then they look at your time. You've got to get it done within, within two minutes. I can give you an example of one that I did for Slam Poetry. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I'm I'm down for it. I'm down for it. I'm not going to throw a lolly <laughs> yeah, at the yeah. screen. <laughs> yeah, don't do that. I'm going to do this from from memory. So, and I haven't really practiced it. So, let's see how I go. I've got a couple that I've written down somewhere. But anyway, so this one is called 500 Years from Now. 
and it's kind of a mixture of, of poetry and slam and it's a little bit of both, you know, so see what, see what comes out. 500 years from now, plant your seed today and put it in the ground. You can water it, nurture it and watch it grow. Be gentle with the earth because we all know we want water to sparkle, fish to swim, birds to fly high and people to grin, trees to be tall and forests to grow. You've got to think big and let it flow because it's our great, 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 great grandkids who see what we do. They live what we do. They love what we do. Now, I heard a politician just the other day. He said, plan for three years. Yeah, that should be okay. Let's just dig a huge hole in the ground and see how much dirty black coal can be found. Hey, don't go digging up that dirty old coal. It's going to destroy my soul. All that extra CO2 in the air will drive me to despair. We've got the sun and the wind and the sea and thermal rocks to create our energy. And don't go destroying old growth rainforest just so that we can have palm oil in our things. Someone needs to legislate so that we can understand exactly what the earth brings. 500 years from now, plant a seed today, put it in the ground. You've got to water it, nurture it, watch it grow, because it will be our great, 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 great grandkids who see what we do. They do what we do. And if we can get it right now, they will love what we do. 500 years from now, can't you see? We've got to get this right because there is no planet B. What a performer. Hang on. Yes. Well, I'm happy. I don't care if you threw a lolly to me or not. That was excellent. <laughs> yeah. And I felt that over, over Zoom, no video or I had my eyes closed listening yes. to that. <laughs> not that I could see you anyway. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I just that was felt awesome. like that I, went, was... I went to turn to Mel a few times and she did have her eyes closed. Yeah. I get sensory overload, so I like if I need to focus, so I have to close my eyes, and that was yeah, that was really really cool. One thing I wanted to mention too, I I teach MSL, which is I'm working with kids with dyslexia, so that's now really important thing in my life. I work for Wise Owl, I do it in primary schools as well, and it's called multi sensory structured learning, and I'm giving. Uh, kids with dyslexia, the opportunity they're having difficulty with literature, reading, spelling, all those kind of things, to show them there's a pathway where they can actually do things and it empowers them to be able to to read and to write and and it really it really works. So MSL's kind of a it's an accepted way of teaching kids literacy through Dyslexia Australia. So I've got a qualification that I that I that I got through Dyslexia Australia. And uh, yeah, and I've been working um, with students all around Bethanga, Telgano, Wodonga, and beyond through Wise Owl and through schools, and helping kids with dyslexia. And I'm I really love to see uh, the light bulb moments where where suddenly they realise, oh, that's how that works, and they and they start getting involved in writing and reading. And it's so important in all our lives that we can that we can read and write, and it, it means that you know we, we can all have the opportunity to to get jobs and make choices and things like that. And if you can get to the kids when they're at primary school or some of them are in early part of high school. My own uh, daughter has dyslexia and that's how I got involved in it. And she won, she started, we started working with her and it was, it was the reason I was motivated to study MSL. And then I started working with her. So she was my guinea pig. In grade one, she was really struggling. In, in grade three, she was really struggling. By the time she got to grade six and we did the MSL program with her, she won the Literacy Achievement Award for her school. And that was amazing. And then um, at uh, high school, she's in year eight now. The other day she came home and she said, oh, I did. I handed in my um, creative writing. And I said, oh, how'd you go? She said, oh, 
got 100%. I went, really? <laughs> I've never got 100% for anything. So it, I guess what, what MSL does, the, the writing program does, it gives kids confidence, you know. So to start with, you show them all the little rules and things that can help them, really quirky rules, and eventually it leads them down the pathway where they will become uh, creative in their own way and it just empowers them, you know. So it's a it's a great little program. So I love working in that environment as well. So that's another thing that I do. That's probably one of my main things at the moment. Oh, Pete, I know you've got so many other things too, so we're going to have to get you back on because I know you, you're working on a big production on your music, personal music side of oh, things as well. Yeah, I, before I – I have to say that our band at the moment, we're working on a show called One Man, Two Governors, and One Man, Two Governors is a Broadway and West End production, which is going to be held by the other theatre company in Albury-Wodonga. And it's going to be on the, I think it's the 16th, 17th and 18th of December this year. So we're aiming for that. And my band, The Remnants, with with the lovely Liz, Jack and Rowan, we're all working together as a skiffle band. And uh, we've rewritten some of the songs for the play and we're using some of the original songs from the from the play uh, written by the Crays. So we're the skiffle band that we sort of fill in the bits in between the scenes. Uh, we haven't met the cast yet, but we've been working with them on Zoom. Hopefully we'll get together pretty soon. But we've got all the songs pretty much nailed down at the moment. So that's a bit of a project we've got going on. And it's been interesting trying to work that out in between Zoom and lockdowns and can't get to Aubrey today, but we can get to Wodonga. Then we can't get to Wodonga, but we can get to Aubrey. <laughs> so we try and make it work. Uh, the songs are fun. It'll be an awesome play. It's a hilarious play. So it's called One Man, Two Governors. Yeah, December 16th, 17th, 18th, coming at the Aubrey Showgrounds. All we need is things to work out. It'll be a great place for people to have their Christmas parties and stuff like that. So uh, keep an eye out for that. So, yeah, it's been lovely talking to you guys. Oh, Pete, thank you so much. You're obviously so busy. So to fit in <laughs> yeah, this to, amount to of time, <laughs> the time is uh, amazing. Thank you so much. Um that little bit about dyslexia just really rings true of how close to your heart you are with helping kids and helping them achieve achieve the best they can. Is there a way that we can direct people either towards you or the platform like the MSL? Is there a, a way for people that are listening at home that might have kids or may have gone through dyslexia themselves and be struggling to try and find some, some of that information? Yeah, I think probably the easiest easiest way to find me or to try and get him get, get, get some ideas and things like that is just go to um, Wise Owl. So Wise Owl are in Beechworth Road, mm-hmm. Wodonga. So Wise Owl Psychology. Yeah. And so that's a good starting point. So I, I work there from time to time. I, I do a couple of days a week in there and uh, working with kids. And uh, they, they've also got the um, the psychologists who work there, who, who um, educational psychologists, and they understand children and they can sort of, help to put you on the right pathway to start with. So, yeah, that's a good place to start. You can also Google uh, Dyslexia Australia, and Dyslexia Australia has a lot of information, so they'll give you some more avenues you can look at. There's a number of MSL teachers um, in this area. And just to be aware of MSL, it's MSL Orton-Gillingham. So that's a um, program, and it, it definitely works. Um, it's uh, being put into more and more schools all the time, and the schools that are running that program – the kids are getting great achievement. They're actually increasing in their literacy all across the school. So it's been a fabulous program to, to get involved in. So I'd just suggest go to Wise Owl first or just 
Google Dyslexia Australia. So there's two two suggestions. Beautiful. To, you know, and then see if you can get on a pathway to help. Thank you so much. We've had uh, Mud Poo books. We've got Captain Pete sitting here right in front of us right now. Oh, the remnants. I feel like there's more yep, than remnants to you. One man, two governors. <laughs> um, and we will definitely be touching base with you in the future. We'll be tagging and we'll put some of those photos up of the covers that you were showing us on the screen so everyone can yep. eyeball them as well. Thanks so much for joining us, Pete. You're, you're very welcome and uh, thank you very much for your work. You're, you're doing some great work in the community and at this time, you know, everyone needs as much support as they can get and, you know, hearing your shows and your voices and, it's, it's all fa- fabulous stuff. So thank you. Oh, Thank you. That's why we do it. Yeah, that's <laughs> it means exactly a lot. why thank we you, do it. Thanks, Pete. <laughs> a man of all many right. talents, Pete Klein. Thank you so much. And I'll have everything that was mentioned today, which was a lot, <laughs> yeah. linked up in the show notes. So anything you need will be there just to click on. A man whose heart rings true with mine, I think. Yeah, yeah Mel's yeah. been rubbing her arm, which I don't know whether people should really need to know this, but <laughs> when she rubs her arm, I know that things are connecting with her. <laughs> so you, that's happened a lot today. There you go. I didn't even know that about myself. <laughs> right. Thanks, thanks, Pete. <laughs> Thank you, guys. I'll, I'll leave you to it. What do you reckon? Yeah, champion. How good is he? He is a champion and I did my like. And when you're talking about me itching my arm, I th- feel like it's me trying to contain myself from fidgeting so I can hear all the bits of the story. Yeah, I've never heard you talk openly. I mean, I've been aware of it that you, if someone's telling a great story and there's other things happening, you can get overstimulated. Oh, yeah. 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 I'm very... (laughs) So you're just using the arm thing just as a way to calm yourself and not jump in, is that? Yeah, I I just know that I need to, like, contain myself, I, I think, a little bit. Like, I always, my brain at that time of talking to Captain Pete had a million questions, but I also have enough clarity and maybe I've done this enough now (laughs) (laughs) that it's not the time to interject. So I have to try and save them, hold on to it. And also I am naturally a very fidgety person who's not great at sitting still. (laughs) So so I was holding on to my questions by fiddling with my arm, I think. (laughs) Does anyone else – actually, I would be keen to know if anyone else has – Coping, I'm going to call them like coping strategies or strategies to like I've had to develop strategies myself and Pete was talking about dyslexia and I've got a very racy brain and I have to have strategies in place to try and contain that or rein that in at certain times and I'd be interested to hear whether other people have different ones and maybe they can share with me what they are. My only real reference to that is... It didn't happen today at all because it was super fascinating. But sometimes if I think I know where a story's going and I plot it all out in my head to its conclusion, mm-hmm. I can disengage in everything up until that conclusion. Yeah. And this is just day-to-day life more than anything. If someone's about to tell me something, I'm like, oh, well, they're about to say this and it's going to lead to there and then that and then I'm going to walk off. Yeah. I just basically, my brain have already walked off. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Your body's there so but I've your got brain's to, yeah, gone. I've got to... Usually it's, I just either move my glasses or I take them off for a second, put them back on. Yeah, okay. And that re-engages me in the conversation and I can pay attention to the person again. Right. That's because, yeah, it's my 
my issue, not theirs, that they're telling a story that doesn't 100% grab me. I've got to re-engage. <laughs> well, is it just you're hanging out with the wrong people? Does that happen? This isn't a reflection on them. I could be, it could be a story that the day before would have fascinated me 100%. It's yeah. just if I'm not 100% into it, yeah. I can just vacate mentally. <laughs> yeah, I, I do have, I will 100% say that I tend to go off onto a different story off my own sometimes. <laughs> so it, it requires a lot of trying to very much hone in my focus on what's what's happening in front of me. And even when Pete was doing his slam poetry, me closing my eyes as a way of absorbing that without looking at any other distractions that were going on. Yeah. So I actually felt and heard all of that. I have to remove some. <laughs> Just on the slam poetry, is that our first live <laughs> performance on the show? Yeah, and off the cuff. Just off maybe. the cuff, yeah. No. I, mean, I feel like Rudy tried to do a little bit of performance, like trying to trick me into thinking that you two were having a fight, but that failed epically, Rudy. It did. Sorry, Red Dog. <laughs> it worked for about three seconds till she figured it out. Yeah. <laughs> but that that was our first, yeah, off the cuff. I liked Just, it, and it may happen again. Yep. <laughs> I'm going to get you slamming some poetry. Okay. I was so, key. I was so happy you asked that because I thought, I think I know what slam poetry is. People talk about it in context of doing any kind of live performance, that it's one of the things, but I didn't actually know what it was until just now. I just like that it's called slam poetry. And then, to be honest, Pete, thank you very much for sharing that the way to garner judges is to throw lollies into the audience <laughs> because I'm going to be using that in some way in the future, not necessarily for <laughs> slam poetry, but to <laughs> to get other things judged heavily. Maybe our podcast. Yeah, correct. <laughs> And on the topic of throwing, people can actually throw coffees at us. Oh, yeah. Give me some coffee. Oh, rocked up here today, guys. Full honest opinion. And uh, Josh has very much under-caffeined my coffee today. Oh, so That's, a, that's <laughs> a late sledge. That's an hour and 15 <laughs> well, minutes ago. Well, you know, I, I will say he makes an effort. The jug's spoiled. It's all ready to go. But, you know, guys, if you could flick us the coffee. Some just, strong ones. Or just a little bit of uh, Arabica beans. <laughs> <laughs> would be nice. com to buy us a coffee and also to share the show. And what you will find there on the post for Pete is a link to all of his amazing books. Yeah. So he was a complete gentleman and did leave it really mention that, yeah, they're for sale still. You can still buy them. And as you heard, the first run only made $10. Yeah. Um, please, if you, well, obviously buy us a coffee or share, but Really, this is a guy that's getting out in the community and doing a lot of good things for our kids and trying to hand on some knowledge that might help their future kids and their future kids. And if you can maybe, or if you've got any kids at home, buy buy one of these books because I feel like everyone that's read them, and you've read one, haven't you, Josh? It was, yeah, it was amazing. <laughs> is, um, yeah, is going to get benefit out of it. So it's not just a donation. You're going to get a benefit out of this as well. I'll finish up on this. I picked it up and the artwork is tremendous. Yeah. And I thought this looks stunning. Mm -hmm. But I tend to read a certain type of book a lot, which yep. is quite sophisticated nonfiction, like philosophy and stuff like that. I thought, yep. is this going to carry me through the whole book? Yeah. I read the entire thing in one sitting. There you go. And it was marvellous. <laughs> so there you go. You get around it. PudgingSideways.com, you can buy a book. <laughs> yeah, buy a book. Right, Mel. Well, thank you. Thanks. Bye-bye. Laters. 